Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. We are starting a new series in the book of 1 Corinthians that's going to take us through to Easter called Christianity Gone Mad. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Over to you. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Good morning, everyone. My name's Jez. Good to be with you on such a special, memorable day. Wasn't it great to see Owen and Emma get baptised there? And it's a, a privilege now to be able to share from God's Word, the Bible, with you. So let's pray together as we start. Our Lord and God, we do thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for Owen and Emma and witnessing their baptisms together. And we thank you that as we come to you, we come to a God who speaks. We believe you speak to us through the Bible and we pray you would give us open ears and open hearts to hear what you're saying to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So great to be together for the first Sunday in 2024, gathered as a church. And uh, when we start the new year, we often like to take stock, don't we, and think, Where are we? And where are we going? And do we need to make any changes to get to where we're going? And it's easy to look in lots of different directions for inspiration for that, isn't it? And uh, I had a little look online before before I came here to see if there was some inspiration to be had out there. And one of the top hits when I went on Google was goodhousekeeping.com. And goodhousekeeping.com suggests a list of achievable New Year's resolutions. Achievable, mark that. Achievable New Year's resolutions for building a healthy, happy life. But the only catch is that they suggested 65 things to do, which sounds to me more like a recipe for building a more stressful life in 2024. But of course, if we're following Jesus as we look at the year ahead, we want to ask the question, what does God say? And today we're starting a new series in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we'll see a lot in there about the sorts of principles, the truths that should be guiding us as we step into this new year. So what is 1 Corinthians? Well, it's it's, uh, part of the New Testament. You have it in your hand there, and it's a letter from an early church leader, Paul, to a, a church, a Christian community in the city of Corinth. Now, Corinth was in Greece. It was part of the Roman Empire. It was one of the great cities of the Roman world. It was strategically located, a trading city. It was rich, it was multicultural, it was religiously diverse, and it had a reputation for wild living as well. In fact, one writer has said that Corinth was the New York, the Los Angeles, and the Las Vegas of the ancient world, all rolled 
into one. But praise God, a church, a Christian community had started in this challenging and complex city. Paul, who writes this letter, had visited Corinth, had spent about 18 months there. And during that time, a church had been born. However, it wasn't easy following Jesus in Corinth. And so a few years later, Paul had to write this letter of 1 Corinthians to address some problems and errors that had arisen in the church there. And to summarize, the big problem that the church, the Christian community faced, was that although they now followed Jesus, their hearts and their minds were still more shaped by Corinth than by Christ. And so they kept behaving like Corinthians rather than like Christians. And so in his letter, Paul is writing to them to train their minds and their hearts again to be Christ-centered so that they would have Christ-centered lives flowing from that rather than to be Corinth-centered with Corinth, uh, Corinthian lives. And I think this is very relevant for us too, isn't it? As we step into 2024, it's very easy to be shaped by the world around us, by all the influences out there and for our lives and our actions to flow from that. But if we're seeking to follow Jesus, we need to make sure that again and again we're coming to God, we're coming to his word, the Bible, and our minds and our hearts are again being shaped to be Christ-centered so that we have lives that flow from that. So as we look at the passage today, we're going to notice four truths, four truths to shape our minds and our hearts as we step into 2024. So I hope you have your Bibles handy. We're on page 859, as Merlin said when she read. So do open that up if you've lost it, because we're going to be looking at it quite often. And the first big truth we're going to notice this year is this. God has called you. God has called you. So have a glance down with me first at verse 1. And it says this. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So Paul introduces himself. God has called him to be an apostle, a messenger of the truth about Jesus. And then at the end of the passage, verse 9, we read this. Just glance down at it again. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. There's that idea of calling again. Now, a few days ago, over New Year, I was up at the seaside in Bangor, County Down, beautiful, recommend a visit up there if you haven't been. And uh, I, I was feeling generous, so I offered to buy the coffees. I went over to the coffee van and I was buying the coffees for our group and I realised I didn't have enough hands. So I called over to my nephew and niece over on the other side of the playground to come over and help me. And they heard my call, they left what they were doing, they came over and helped. I think maybe the vanilla lattes that they had ordered and that were waiting for them was part of that reason. But anyway, they heard the call, they responded, and they came. And verse 9 here says, God has called the Corinthians into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That word fellowship speaks of relationship, of closeness, of togetherness, of a kind of close, near, intimate relationship with Jesus. It's as though God was shouting across the din of first century Corinth, come, follow Jesus. Come, enjoy the relationship with God for which you were made. It was like me calling across that playground. God was calling across Corinth. And people were hearing that call and were responding. And isn't it wonderful 
that God is calling us in Dublin today. And we just saw and we heard those wonderful stories from Emma and Owen about how God called them over many years in different places. And it took a while maybe to hear that clearly, but then they did hear it and they responded. And so if you've already responded to that call, that's wonderful. Take that calling with you into 2024. God has called you. So as you go into your office, your place of work, as you stay at home maybe, as you look after children, as you uh, spend your retirement, as you face challenges in singleness or in marriage, as you face life choices, as you experience joys and sorrows, in all of those things, remember, God has called me. I am a Jesus follower. Wherever I go, whatever I do in 2024, I'll bring that conviction and that calling with me in public and private with wisdom, courage, and love. But there'll be some of us, won't there, who haven't responded to that call to follow Jesus. When I was uh, up in County Down uh, last weekend, I popped up to Belfast as well and went to the Titanic Museum. Uh, Maybe a few of you have been to it. It's an excellent museum. Highly recommend it. And the Titanic, just in case you don't know, was a a fabulous cruise liner which sank on its maiden voyage in April 1912 when it hit an iceberg. And more than 1,500 people drowned. And one of the tragedies of the sinking of the Titanic was that there was a ship rather close, the SS Californian, the nearest ship to the Titanic. And as the Titanic was going down, its radio operator sent out this emergency message calling for any nearby ships to come and help and rescue and pick up the survivors. But although the SS Californian was the nearest ship, its radio operator had gone to bed a few minutes before that distress signal came and the message wasn't received. So the Californian just kept going in its direction and didn't do anything to help as hundreds of people drowned. And we don't want to be like that radio operator asleep with the radio turned off while God is sending the most important message that we are ever going to hear, that invitation to know him, to enjoy fellowship with him, close, intimate relationship with the God uh, who made us, that relationship for which we were made. So if you haven't yet responded to that call to follow Jesus, I'd encourage you, turn on the radio transmitter, wake up and begin to investigate it. And we heard, didn't we, from Emma and Owen, that can be a step-by-step process of discovery, of thinking, of reflection, of asking questions. So uh, if that's you, I'd encourage you, start looking into it, start turning on the radio and hearing God's call. So God has called you. And this leads to our second truth. God has called you, but God has also called us. God has called us. So let's glance down at verse 2 of this passage. Paul writes this, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So you'll see in verse 2 there that Paul addresses the Corinthians as the church of God in Corinth. So God doesn't just call us to follow him as lots of individuals, but to follow him as a group, as his people, as the church. In a sense, following Jesus is a bit more like a team game like football than a solo game like golf. No offense, golfers or 
something, maybe just a little bit, maybe just a little bit. So if you follow Jesus, you're part of the Church of God in Dublin. You're part of God's team here. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? As we step into 2024, we don't do it alone. We do it alongside our brothers and sisters in the church in Dublin. And you'll see also in verse 2, Paul reminds the Corinthians, doesn't he, that they're also linked with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus. And isn't it wonderful to be part of an international community, to be part of the worldwide Church of God? And if we called out the different nationalities and places of origin, I'm sure we'd have quite a list, even amongst those gathered here today. So God has called us. And so in 2024, let's pour into the lives of our Christian brothers and sisters. Let's pray with them, laugh with them, cry with them, serve God together with them. Let's welcome newcomers with them. Let's share the good news about Jesus alongside them. And let's let them serve us and encourage us and stand with us in all we face this year. So we're part of a community. God has called us, but we're not called to be a a football team just sitting in a dressing room, as it were. There's a job to be done out on the pitch. And Paul mentions the calling Uh, of the church here in verse 2 as well. Perhaps you noticed it. Paul says the church of God is called to be his holy people. Called to be his holy people. We're a community with a calling to be his holy people. And what does that mean? That means to be set apart, to be different, to be people seeking to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul and strength and seeking to love our neighbours as ourselves. We're to be people who are being transformed day by day to be more like the God we follow and who are bringing something of that light of his holiness and his love into all of the different places that we go. And I think it's a good prayer as a church for us this year, isn't it? That in all the things we're doing in our South congregation here, in our central congregation, in all of our midweek and small groups, and in all we do as individuals in the different places that God has set us, that we would be living out that calling to be God's holy people and that people around would see it. So God has called us. Well, that might be an inspiring thing. It might be an intimidating thing. But whichever of those it is, the next truth is key. God hasn't just left us to go at all of this in our own effort in 2024. And the third truth we're going to notice is this. God has equipped us. God has equipped us. So look down with me at verse 3, and we'll read all the way to verse 7. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So God has equipped us. But how, you might ask? Well, there are a few things in those verses I want us to notice. Firstly, in verse 3, Paul speaks of grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is a a real Bible word. What what does it mean? What what is grace? Well, my wife, uh, Sharon, and I went for a hospital appointment a few weeks ago with our baby boy, Elijah, who 
It's being so rocked uh, nicely there by Jill. Thank you. We went, for a me uh, we went for this hospital appointment, and then afterwards we went for a little meal in a small uh, Italian restaurant just next to the hospital. And we were there. We were enjoying our food. We were, uh, we were just finishing up, and I asked the waitress for the bill. And she went away. And then a few moments later, she came back, and she said, the gentleman on a table over there has paid your bill. There's nothing for you to pay. And we were, we were shocked. We were a bit overwhelmed. We didn't know this guy. We'd had a, smooth, uh, a few small words of chat with him going in. But we didn't know him. We hadn't earned this. It was just an act of pure grace, of undeserved kindness from him towards us. And we didn't quite know how to respond. We tried to thank him, but he went past very quickly. And as we left, we, we were saying to one another, this is just a little taste isn't it, of how God has dealt with us, of God's undeserved kindness towards us. God offers us his forgiveness at no cost. He offers us relationship with him at no cost. There's no bill to pay because Jesus has paid the bill for us already on the cross. All we need to do is receive it. That's all we did. We ate our meal and the bill was paid. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Uh, maybe uh, I should tell you the name of the restaurant. No, perhaps not. <laughs> but as, if we're following Jesus this year, let's be good receivers of God's grace. Let's be receiving it day by day. Let's be reminding ourselves of the truth of God's love for us in sending the Lord Jesus. Let's think of it. Let's sing of it. I love Emma quoted that famous hymn, Amazing Grace. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Let's sing of it. Let's think on it, let's pray on it, let's remind ourselves day by day of the grace that God has given us. So God has equipped us, he's given us his grace. Um, one other thing I'll tell you from the Titanic Museum, uh, another thing I learned was that the lookouts on the nights of, uh, of, of the accident, and in fact every night during the journey, the lookouts didn't have any binoculars. They were just scanning the ocean with the naked eyes uh, that they had. And the reason they didn't have any binoculars is that there had been a change of crew just before the ship had sailed, and a person who had been rotated off the ship had taken the key to the binoculars case with him, pro probably just as an accident. And so they didn't have anything other than their eyes as they scanned the night sky looking for dangers. And one of the lookouts survived, and in a subsequent investigation, he said, if we had had the binoculars, we would have seen the iceberg in time to be able to avoid it. But I wonder if you noticed in these verses here, in verse 5, God speaks of, uh, Paul speaks of God enriching the Corinthians in every way. And then in verse 7, Paul speaks of them not lacking any spiritual gift. In other words, it isn't as though we're a church that is missing a crucial piece of equipment like those binoculars. But God has given us everything we need. It's all there. The binoculars are in place. He has given everything we need, enriching in every way, every spiritual gift that we need. And isn't it wonderful as we look around to see the different gifts God has given to people in the church? And we're grateful for those who do the sound, who play music, who do the visuals, who set up, who set down, who do welcoming, who set up the refreshments, who organize, who administer, who run our finances, who plan for the future. And we're thankful also for 
those who model to us what it means to persevere in suffering, to face challenges, those who encourage us just by, by being here, by rocking up, by serving God in many ways that he's put before them. So God has equipped us in all the different ways we need. And he's also set us in this city in many different places, hasn't he? And he's given us opportunities in IT, in medicine, in the home, in our retirement as mechanics, uh, in, in, in so many different ways to be his people, his hands and feet in this city with the different gifts that he's given us. So that's the third truth. God has equipped us. And as we step into 2024, let's receive and enjoy God's grace. And let's identify the gifts he's given us. Let's stir them up within us. And let's use them to serve him and to serve one another. The final thing that we'll notice for this passage, the final truth to shape us as we go into 2024 is this. God will keep us. God will keep us. So let's glance down at verses 7 and 8. Verse 7, Paul writes, Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there are probably some dates you're looking forward to in 2024, aren't, aren't there? Maybe you're graduating you're moving to a new class at school. Maybe you're starting a new job. Perhaps it's a fun thing you're looking forward to. Um, maybe a few of you have the Dublin Comet Convention firmly underlined in your diary. Or you've got your dream holiday to Emerald Park, formerly Tato Park, <laughs> booked. And there are all things that we're looking forward to, aren't we? Well, one, one way in which we need to shape our minds as we head into 2024 is to make sure that we have God's calendar uh, uh, enmeshed in our plans as well. And there's one date in particular that we need to take on board. And it's the day that Paul talks about in verses 7 and 8, the day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. We've just been celebrating at Christmas, haven't we? The first coming of Christ. But we know from the Bible that Jesus is coming back a second time. We don't know when it's going to be, but we need to be looking forward to it, anticipating it. We need to be letting it shape us. And how did the Corinthians let it shape them? Well, probably in at least two ways. Firstly, these verses say they were eagerly awaiting it. They were looking forward to that day when everyone would see who the Lord Jesus is. The first time he came when he was born, it was a few shepherds, some wise men, maybe the odd donkey and cow who saw it. But when Jesus comes back the second time in glory, the Bible says every eye will see and every knee will bow, and the Corinthians were looking forward to that. Secondly, they were also assured that God would keep them firm to the end, as verse 8 says. God would keep them firm to the end. And that's a precious promise, isn't it? Yeah. As we head into 2024, God will keep us. I think sometimes our natural tendency as followers of Jesus is to go off the boil, isn't it? to lose focus, to slow down. It's a bit like riding a bike. The natural momentum of a bike will want it to slow down. You need to work at it a bit for the bike to keep going. And it's similar uh, in the Christian race. It's easier to grow cold and to slow down. And if we want to keep going, we need to press on to keep turning 
the pedals. I've recently been teaching my four-year-old to ride a bike. I've been doing that classic thing in the park of sort of holding him as he wobbles and chasing behind and catching him if he falls off. And if we belong to God, verse 8 says, God will keep you firm to the end. He'll be a little bit like that parent catching you as you wobble so that you don't fall off. That doesn't mean we don't have any responsibility to keep turning the pedals ourselves and keeping our eyes ahead and pressing on. But it is a wonderful assurance, isn't it? As we step into 2024, maybe some of us feeling a bit wobbly, that if we belong to God, he will keep us firm to the end, like a watchful parent behind a wobbly four-year-old. So as we close, we don't know what 2024 will bring, do we? could bring many joys, and I hope it does. It might bring sorrows and challenges as well. But if we're following Jesus, let's enter the year in his strength with our hearts and our minds shaped by his truth with Christ-centered minds and Christ-centered hearts and Christ-centered lives flowing from that. So God has called you, God has called us, God has equipped us, and God will keep us. Let's pray together. And why don't we stand and Nick will come as we prepare to sing again. So our Lord and God, we do thank you for all the truths that we read and note in your word. And we pray we would know that you have called us this year. We pray we would all have our radio transmitters on to hear you and to receive the important messages you're sending to us. We pray that you would help us to receive your grace this year. We thank you for it. We thank you that you're a God who loves us freely and without cost, and that we just need to accept it. And we pray you'd help us also to stir up our gifts this year, to serve you and to serve one another. And we thank you for that great promise that you'll keep all those who are yours firm to the end. So be with us in 2024. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.